friends, welcome to Enough for Today. Thanks for joining me midweek. And we get to start a new psalm today, Psalm 53. And uh, this is a short psalm, six verses. And we'll be short today, but um, we'll probably be short through this psalm. And I'll tell you why. We've, we've kind of already covered it because this psalm is Psalm 14. In fact, there's only a couple of minor differences between this psalm and Psalm 14. And uh, so here's what it brings to mind. Let me ask you, have you ever <clears throat> have you ever heard a rewrite of an old song? Um, that's really common today, and I don't know your opinion. I love it. I mean, I love when our worship team brings forward an old song with a new melody or with an added chorus. Or And I know there's an old school group of people that are like, don't mess with it, almost like it's inspired scripture. I don't feel that way. This is creative theological communication and one generation is handing it off to the next. And I think it's beautiful to take what somebody did and, 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 and bring it into a modern context. And I love it. I love it. I think it's a great way to fall back in love with a hymn that maybe has become rote or routine to you because it's so traditional, but with a fresh treatment, it comes to life. Um, I, think, I think of a lot of songs that, um, that have done that in my heart. One of them is, Lord, I Need You. Uh, it's a rewrite, but a beautiful one, and it really brought it to a whole new place in my heart. Well, it's, uh, it's, there's a biblical precedent for doing that. So before you get too hard on the worship leaders and musicians that are doing it, recognize that's what was done <clears throat> with Psalm 53. Psalm 53 was another generation of psalmists celebrating a victory that God brought, probably the victory of the Assyrians, I'm sorry, the Israelites over the Assyrians, under the reign of Hezekiah. Uh, Isaiah 37 is the story there. But <clears throat> the Assyrians have come down from, uh, from the northern part of Israel. They've overrun the entire, they've consumed all the northern tribes. They've come all the way through Samaria, right to the borders of Judea, and right really to the walls of Jerusalem. <clears throat> they surround Jerusalem with thousands upon thousands upon thousands of Assyrian soldiers, and there's no hope. And Sennacherib, the king, is threatening and, and taunting and scorning God and mocking God, and don't think your God's going to deliver you. God, your God hasn't delivered anybody from, from me. I'm greater than your God, and no, no God of Israel can uh, triumph over me, and he's just an arrogant fool. And Hezekiah goes to God, lays out the threatening letter, begs for mercy and wisdom, God says, chill, you're in good hands, and I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to defeat this army. And he does. God intervenes supernaturally and miraculously. It's one of the great miracles of the Old Testament where in the morning they wake up and, and the entire army of Assyria is dead on the hills, uh, on the grounds, all around Israel. They're just dead. <clears throat> Sennacherib the king and a small group of his entourage returns home on foot to Assyria he goes into his pagan temple and his own sons kill him there. So it doesn't end well for the man that mocks God. Well, you can imagine being in that city of Jerusalem when that victory, you wake up the next morning expecting your impending doom um, and the armies that have threatened you are suddenly, it's, they've gone from total noise and screaming and threats and rants to it's silent. I mean, it's just death silence. And I can imagine the Israelites looking out of the city, looking up over the walls and seeing not any movement. And what a haunting stillness that would have been. And then the realization that God killed them all. 
uh, and brought them to open shame, which would have been a big deal, okay? Uh, leaving out your, the, your enemy's dead body for display was a real way of shaming, ultimately shaming them in ancient cultures. And so God triumphed and the Israelites celebrated. And I, you can only imagine the release, the joy of that celebration. And so the, the worship leaders of that day took Psalm 14, modified it, maybe changed the tune, who knows, and brought it forward to the celebration. And so that's what we read in six verses, okay? Uh, they bring forward an appropriate psalm. They add to it a little bit. To pre, just primarily, here's the difference between this psalm Psalm 14. There's two extra phrases added in verse 5 at the end. And then the word for God, uh, instead of Jehovah, the word for God used in this psalm is Elohim, which means God of covenant. It's, it's to say God kept his promise, okay? So... Our tradition when we introduce a new psalm is to um, read it, and then I send you into your day. And this is just six verses, and we will uh, call it for today, but something to meditate on, and then we'll probably be quick through this psalm because we've covered Psalm 14 already, okay? So let's read it together. The fool said, hath said in his heart, there is no God. Corrupt are they, and have done abominable iniquity. There is none that doeth good. God looked down from heaven upon the children of men, to see if there were any that did understand that did seek God. Every one of them has gone back. They're all together become filthy. There's none that doeth good, no, not one. Have the workers of iniquity no knowledge, who eat up my people as they eat bread? They have not called upon God. There were they in great fear, where no fear was, for God hath scattered the bones of him that encampeth against thee. Thou hast put them to open shame, because God hath despised them. Oh, that the salvation of Israel were come out of Zion. When God bringeth back the captivity of his people, Jacob shall rejoice, and Israel shall be glad. So a song of celebration, recognizing the destitution of men, recognizing the victory and the grace of God, recognizing the sovereign power and intervening providence of God, and then really foreshadowing um, the end of all captivity, not just temporary captivity, but the end of all captivity. Oh, that salvation of Israel will come out of Zion. When God brings the captivity of his people, Jacob shall rejoice. Interestingly, when they sang this song, um, the southern kingdom had not gone into captivity yet. That was still some years away and would happen under Nebuchadnezzar with Babylon. And then 70 years later, the captivity would return. And don't you know that this psalm was resurrected and brought back out for celebration when those captives returned to Israel to reconstitute their nation. So much here to meditate on, but the ups and downs of life and God's strong confidence, God's strong salvation that holds us together. Hey, think on these things today. Thanks for joining me. I'll see you tomorrow.